Uh, okay, I broke my pencil. Oh, this is terrible. I really needed one of those electric pencil sharpeners. If anyone needs a Christmas gift idea. I hate those little hand ones. They're so useless. Never work. And they just break off your the lead in your pencil. All right. Okay, I guess I'm the only one that has that problem, I guess. <laughs> I don't thanks, use pencils. Thanks for the support, everybody. <laughs> Everyone jumped to my defense at once. Sounds like a real dilemma. It is a real dilemma. I don't understand why they haven't upgraded the technology for brown pencil sharpeners for thousands of years. They have these new things called pens. Your pens suck because you can't erase with them. <laughs> they need an erasable pen. Well, there you go. Start Actually, working on that. Yeah. There, okay. There are such things. Are there? Is there? Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. That's sorcery. I don't know how that works. <laughs> why didn't? Why did, haven't I known about this? How do they? How did? How would you do that? You muggle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's some, some something out of Hogwarts. <laughs> Harry, I've discovered the erasable pen. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything about assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minow. Uh, joining me today, the one, the only, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Good morning. And uh, look who else is here, Mr. Steve Barkley. We are Legion. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to start switching that up and start introducing Steve first, because I know I noticed he did. He did make a little bit of a, a squawk last week about that. I forgot. It's I too early to squawk today, so I was, I was gonna <laughs> no actually, worries. I was going to actually do that, and I forgot. It's just, it's you know, it's ingrained in you. It's like muscle memory with this whole podcast intro thing. That's fine. I don't have to be second. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you nice should be you. first. Noah. Why aren't you doing the intros? Uh, okay. Hey, and welcome no, to no, no, AT no, no, Bit. No? no. no. <laughs> it's just, it sounds wrong. <laughs> it's like, edit, it'd, edit. It'd be like, it'd be like George Harrison singing Hey Jude. It just doesn't, doesn't sound right. <laughs> hey Jude. It just sound weird. Um, uh, how are you guys doing? What's shaking? It's Lark. Friday. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, it is Friday. It's not a long weekend, but it's we're close. We are. Yep, yep. So, so close. Do you guys believe it's almost April? Yep. Can you? No, okay. not really. <laughs> okay, well, listen. <laughs> a few people say that all the time. Can you believe it's been two weeks? And it's like, well, it's how time works. Well, I've said before, I don't know if to you guys, but you know, my wife and I have talked about how long we've actually been in this pandemic, and I can't believe the year's gone by already. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. Hmm. Yeah. 
but we're coming out of it. No, well, maybe. We'll see. Well, vac- vaccines are here, so. Yeah, true enough. Yep. Get back to a little bit of norm- normalcy. I, yeah, but you know what? People keep saying that. I feel like I'm already, I feel like normal now. Like, this is kind of the thing, and it's the new normal, and I think that that's good. Yeah, no, it's not, not the, the new normal. I haven't been to Pizza Hut. I haven't <laughs> been to Burger King. I haven't been to A&W. I haven't been to a mall. I haven't eaten in a restaurant. Yeah. No, I, this isn't normal. Well, yeah. <laughs> Have you lost any weight, though? Um, no. See, so there you go. So there's a whole bullshit about how you need to give up all these <laughs> great foods to lose weight. Wrong, because you've given no, them up. No, no, and, no, no. They don't. They don't just say give up the food. They say give up the food and exercise. Oh. I always forget that one. The exercise yeah. part. Yeah, that one. That one kind of makes a difference. <laughs> See, someone at Hogwarts needs to develop the exercise pill. There you go. Actually, I think they probably have that. It's called cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, I've discovered cocaine. <laughs> You're going to be so thin. <laughs> Anyways, we digress. Hey, Ryan. Uh, yes, Rob. What are we doing today? Today, we are speaking with Dominique Chabot from Autism Canada. Oh, yeah, that's right. I probably shouldn't have made cocaine references in the autism <laughs> show. I have to edit that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. It's about time we got somebody uh, from one of the autism organizations on to talk intelligently about autism because, uh, you know, we've wanted to cover it on the show for a long time, but uh, we're just dumbasses and we just didn't want to tackle a subject that we know nothing about. So uh, this is going to be great. Yeah, there's so much to talk about that, you know, we could easily turn this into a multiple episode show. Um, but we'll see where it goes. Mm, we'll get Zack Snyder to direct it. And it'll be <laughs> four hours. It'll be a four hour Zack Snyder cut of our autism show. Hey, there's a thought. What? Should we do like an AT banter marathon episode? Oh my God. And just go and go and go. We'll invite our audience to come and participate uh, and we'll just go see how long just, we can go for it. Just go until we're tired. Just go. Yeah. Just talk about whatever comes up disabilities well, just go i'm game with that but i feel like that would be an hour and a half show because then we'd be like we hit the hour and a half mark and we'd all look at each other and be like okay i kind of go want to go watch tv now and we're like okay <laughs> i don't know our, our new year's eve um virtual pub night went well i think i went to bed at Oof. six in the morning so we went all night wow really yeah wow, i'm impressed man well done. Steve's well, like, knows. no way. Yeah, Steve's, Steve's been very quiet. On <laughs> oh, this. hey, He's if like, you guys no. want to do that, you, you guys go for it. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll be here you'll, you'll check drinking in. cocoa and eating cookies. <laughs> check in periodically. Right. Steve's been really quiet over the last hour. I wonder what's going on. <laughs> yeah. hey, we plug, you plug some wine into Steve. He'll be into it. He's just not into it right now because it's the morning, early morning. I know. We'll have to get him some of that extra strength caffeinated coffee. Yeah, that'll help. Yeah, that and then some, I don't know, Merlot. (laughs) (laughs) Just put some whiskey in the coffee. It's all good. Yeah, you'll be be down. Hi, everyone. This is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies, and this is a shameless plug. 
A few years back, everyone was all excited about the pen friend from RNIB, which allowed folks to use small stickers with a chip in them to label products and record descriptions. We are pleased to be Canada's distributor of Way Around products, which do the same thing, but utilize a cell phone as the reader. There are a variety of available tags from simple stickers to clothing buttons, magnets, clips. There's something to label almost everything. The descriptions you enter can be any length and they are automatically backed up to your account on the web. So no matter what happens, you'll never lose your descriptions. Check them out on our website at www.canastech.com. Joining us now is Dominique Chabot from Autism Canada. Dominique, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. I am Ryan Fleury, and joining us in the room are Steve Barclay oh. and, and Rob Minot. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> hello? hello? Did I say hello? I've already, I've already screwed this podcast up. <laughs> it's all good. You had her at Kello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bilingual, so it works, Rob. It's oh, all good. excellent. Perfect. <laughs> good. It was all, all completely intentional. <laughs> no, listen, we are really excited to have you on. Um, you know, we've, we've, we're deep into this podcast thing. We're, we're going into our sixth year, and we've, we've wanted to, to um, talk about autism for a long time. Um, but um, we, we just we wanted to save it for when we could actually talk to somebody um, from an organization such as yours um, so that we can talk intelligently about it. Um, so it's it's been a long time coming, so we're excited to have you. Thank you for having me here. And Ryan, I apologize for the uh, our last missed appointment, but we finally got it figured out. So thank you for that. It's um, okay. We, we blame Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> So um, I'll give you a little bit of background, I suppose, as to why I'm in the position that I'm in today. Sure. Um, so I am, my name is Dominic Chablet, and I am the Family Support Manager with Autism Canada. And about, oh gosh, uh, 13 years ago, um, I had to make some phone calls to um, learn more about autism because my son was diagnosed. And 13 years ago, as opposed to today, there were still barely any resources out there. So I had to do a lot of legwork myself. And the first organization that I called was Autism Canada. And now, ironically, I'm in that same position as that person who helped me so long ago. So I'm very passionate about working for this organization and I'm very pas passionate about autism. And um, I'm learning as I go because I am a parent as well. And, um, you know, there is so much that just falls under the ASD umbrella um, that has evolved over the years. And um, it, it's, it's ongoing. You're always learning. I'm always learning something new uh, as a professional and as a parent. So, you know, there's always new information out there. There's new discoveries. And, um, you know, it's, it's vast. It's honestly quite vast. It's such a... I, I think a deep topic. And so some of the questions I had is, I guess, what is autism? Is autism just a, a generic word that gets slapped onto a bunch of disabilities or is, is it a specific disability? Because we also hear about the autism spectrum mm -hmm. and, you know, I believe that encompasses a whole range of, I guess, disabilities that fall under 
autism. So can you explain or clarify some of that? Sure. So I guess the easiest way to be able to, to explain autism, um, and, and of course we can talk about the spectrum in a little bit, but autism basically is a, um, and I hate to, you know, we refer to it as a disorder only when you're you're speaking about it from a, a medical perspective. You're not doctors, so I don't I don't um, refer to it as a disorder. Basically, um, someone who is on the spectrum means that their brains are wired completely differently than ours. They think differently. They process differently. Um, they have heightened senses. They are, you know, and and I guess when you I don't want to, it's hard to compare because every individual in the spectrum is unique, but they all have um, a different way of, you know, processing, whether it's visual, whether it's, you know, stimulants, whether it's uh, hearing, everything is wired differently. And they just, they, it's, it's more challenging because the world is built for, for a, a neurotypical person. Um, so they, they need to go that extra mile each and every day to try to adapt to our, you know, to our world, to society. So there's, um, there's, there's nothing that, that indicates that it's genetic. There's nothing that indicates that it's, um, caused by vaccine, well, back vaccines. Um, personally, I have gone through, I have two kids on the spectrum. One's 15, one's eight. One was vaccinated. He was diagnosed one wasn't vaccinated, he was diagnosed. So that I needed to do that for myself to try to just wrap my head around it. Um, so there's there's no actual cause, there's no actual cure. It's just it's a it's a it's it's cognitive and it's behavioral and it's a sensory processing. So I think that you know for for the general layperson, I think would look over the past say ten to 15 years and say, wow, there's, there's been this huge uptick in um, autism diagnoses. And so, you know, there must be something going on. Like there's, there's just more people with autism, but really what, what it sounds like is just, we've gotten better at diagnosing um, the problem. You know, I, I feel like in the past, in the past 20 years, a lot of people just would have slipped through the cracks and people would have just gone through life, never being diagnosed um, on any sort of a spectrum. Uh, is, is that sort of the case? Absolutely. I think, um, and I'm kind of, I mean, I'm going to take a wild guess here. I'm in my 40s. Um, I want to say that we're all around that, you know, around that era. And if you look back and if you think back of when you were in elementary, mm -hmm. there was always that one kid. Yeah. So it was that one sure. kid in our class that was different that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm 45 years old. And I remember this one particular student who was just, she was so unique and she was different and yeah, she required extra help, but there was no diagnosis for mm -hmm. her. There was no, there was nothing. And even to this day, 13 years ago, when, um, you know, I had to figure what autism was in order to better help my kid, um, there was barely anything out there. Although this organization has been up and running for 45 years, what we do as an organization is provide resources. And that's what that's all I had um, back then was it goes, here's a website you can check. Here's, you know, um, it's gotten much better. Um, yes, I think that the, um, the, the, the medical field have a better understanding of what to look for. 
um, early intervention, the early signs, you know, families and, and caregivers are noticing these earlier, which is good because it helps with early intervention. But, um, you know, we're still growing, we're still evolving. It's still, there's still so much to learn. But yeah, we've gotten better for sure. I think we're we're all in a process of, of learning more about autism as time goes on. And one one of the things that you you sent us um, in in preparation for this was a, a language guide, mm -hmm. and I was really really impressed with that language guide. And uh, I, I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about uh, the language around autism and and what you'd like to see change around how it's uh, spoken about. Right, um, and I, I love this guide, and I think that. We, you know, we, our initial guide was published in two, I want to say 2017, and it was a words matter guide, and it was a collaborative um, um, document that was created by a group of our, um, back then it was called the uh, Advocacy Council or Committee, and um, along with some of the professionals in the organization. And this is 2017. So now we're, you know, 2021 and the language has completely changed and evolved and shifted. So this is something that we need as an organization, we need to stay on top of, um, but society as well. There are so many different um, ways to address a person, a, a neurodivergent who, um, you know, may, may not necessarily relate to autism, but could relate to, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a transgender or um, a non-binary or anyone with, um, you know, with a, with a disability. I hate saying that word as well, but anyone, you know, um, who may have um, you know a diagnosis there there are ways to address these people and in order for them to be able to feel in inclusive and um, you know it, it's 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 respectful and it's just um, you know you know new it's a new language and again in my 40s it's very very difficult for me to wrap my head around this because um, it's still new and it's still evolving and I'm kind of like an old school thinker but um, I do my best to try to relate to this guide. And part of this guide, um, the, the most recent one, um, we have a team that we consult with, and I consult with, I'm very close to many of these members, but it's a team of autism ambassadors. And these are all adults and, um, and some youth who are on the spectrum. And I consult with them regularly, whether it's to help me with phone calls or um, you know, that, I, that I'm struggling with trying to answer and providing the proper resource for the proper questions. Um, they have all gotten together and helped us design this and build this. And because of the different age groups that we have in this team, we were able to address the most recent um, language and, and put that on paper and publish it on your website for everyone to learn. So it's a great guide. It's a great tool. Absolutely. But it will change within you know, a couple of years. That'll evolve as well with everything else. Well, it's interesting. I'm totally blind and, that's a discussion that's going on right now too, or has been for the couple of years in the blindness field. You know, people mm -hmm. want to be referred to as partially sighted or sight impaired or low vision or blind, or, you know, does it, does it matter to me? I'm totally blind. I don't have partial sight. I'm not low vision. So for me, blind mm -hmm. is blind, mm -hmm. but you know, it's an interesting um, discussion to have. And it's interesting to see that, you know, you guys are doing the same thing in the autism field as well. Mm -hmm. And, and and again, it's it's um, there's it, and it's all about respect. 
and um in, in kindness and I, I you know I um there there was a time where I used to refer to my children as um an autistic you know as an individual being autistic but it's it, it's not I mean I, I I I like to identify them in a way that um kind of helps them stand out a little bit but essentially the goal is they are a person like everybody else we are all people and that's what matters most and you are a person uh, with a you know with, and it's almost like a, an adjective or criteria tied to it but essentially number one is you're a person and it's about inclusivity i think that that's really key in all of this so Stepping back a little bit to sort of just a higher level discussion, do we do we have any sort of stats on how prevalent autism is? Uh, the CDC has recently released um, new stats, and I want to say it was probably uh, late last year. We are now at one in fifty-four. And now, how big of a mandate is? educating the public in terms of, uh, of autism? Because it would seem to me that that must be a, a really crucial component because there there seems to still be a lot of misconceptions. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to learn and there are, um, it, it's evolving every day. And sometimes I, I think, you know, we're all human, we make mistakes and, you know, we make assumptions and some of us are very, you know, stubborn and we'll stick to what we believe in and that's perfectly okay. But I think the idea is the more we educate and honestly, Rob, I think that the awareness is out there and I know that World Autism Awareness Day is coming up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm confident that the awareness is out there. Now it's, we need to move on to acceptance. We need to be able to include them. We need to be able to respect them and be kind to one another and um and you know while we do that i think it's important that maybe employers um you know because you're you're diagnosed as um you know you, you're diagnosed with autism as a child but you also grow up to be an adult on the spectrum and we need employers to start um you know including our community and maybe even accommodating some of our you know some of our um, adults who are on the spectrum in their workplace, uh, making some changes. Uh, you know, these are, this is where we're at. This is where we need to um, really push, um, you know, society to make it a more inclusive environment for our community. I think maybe there might still be, you know, a fear of the unknown, right? Unless you're faced with the situation, you don't, you're not aware of, you know, potential benefits or shortcomings of a person. You know, if I'm applying for a job, do I even disclose that I'm blind or do I just wait till I get the interview? Um, you know, there's a whole discussion there. That you're right. Absolutely right. And um, I am very happy to say that as an organization, we've partnered up with quite a few different um, employers and employment agencies, such as uh, there's Rangam, there's uh, Specialist Erna, there's Ernst Young and um, Autocom. These are all organizations that um, provide uh, a specific process for those in the spectrum because, you know, just eye contact, um, 
anxiety, stress of an interview for a neurotypical, let alone someone on the spectrum is hard enough. So we are seeing more and more of these organizations um, making special accommodations or offering special, um, you know, or, or a different process in order for when to be uh, recruited for, you know, uh, whether it's a warehouse, whether it's, there's a lot of organizations that are starting to open up to that. Again, we need to, this is where we need to start pushing. There's not enough. So it sounds like there's hope for mankind yet. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you, you make a good point, Ryan, about um, whether or not to disclose. And this is a question that I get a lot. I get a lot of, um, you know, it's, well, it's not so much during the pandemic, but um, for those, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, when do I disclose my disability to a potential employer? I am, you know, they'll, 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 let, you know, they'll, they'll tell me they're level one, which is, you know, what used to be known as high function, um, level one autistic, who, um, brilliant, very smart, but struggles with conversations, struggles with some social cues, and they just don't want to be perceived as ignorant or rude, but it just, sometimes they can come across that way if the employer interviewing them isn't aware it's it's up to the individual, but again, like as mentioned before, I think the awareness is out there. Now it's just a matter of working on the acceptance, right? Education. Yeah, it it is very interesting. You know, we we talk a lot on the show about the idea of of inclusion, especially when it comes to employment. Um, mm-hmm. For for a lot of other um, disabilities, um, and it really it, it's it's all the same. It's all about you know adapting the work environment to accommodate somebody who may need something whatever it is whether it's a you know a a low you know a reading machine for somebody who's low vision or a screen reader for Mm -hmm. somebody who's blind um is is that something that the organization sort of works on is that you know sort of like a guide for potential employers to to help make the workplace a little bit more inclusive in terms of autism oh i love this question um it it is slowly getting better there are some um there's some funding out there uh, for organizations to be able to create a safe space for um someone who is on the spectrum and i think that it, there's not enough awareness out there obviously because it's funding and we are in a situation where um you know money is tight across the board however there are some pockets of funding available to employers in order to be able to um you know um accommodate someone who is on the spectrum whether it's like you said like whether it's like a zoom text or um you know special equipment but sometimes it's as easy as it's as simple as allowing someone who is on the spectrum to take more frequent breaks let them walk it off you know maybe offer them 15 minutes for every hour and just let them you know walk it off and just 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 to you know de-escalate if they have some anxieties based on their jobs or stress or pregnancy so, so a lot of the the um, t- um strategies that can be applied in a work environment don't cost a cent i think it's more or less um you know educating the employers and 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 doing their best to be able to accommodate that individual's needs but yeah, it could be very, very inexpensive to do that. Yeah, and we're always talking about, you know, the, there there is a, an incredibly strong business case for for inclusive hiring practices mm-hmm. right across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, you you 
could very well hire somebody who is going to be incredibly good at whatever their particular job is mm-hmm. and not letting uh, the fact that they, they, they do have some challenges that the workplace needs to adapt around, you know, that's a small price to pay for somebody who's going to be an incredibly loyal and efficient and productive employee. It's just that, you know, employers just need to take that chance. Exactly. And when you're, when you're talking about, um, you know, an individual in the spectrum, um, one of the, one of the key things with someone who is autistic is structure and routine. And if they have that, they will be your best employee because, um, this is how they work best. This is how they function. This is, they need, they need the structure. They need the routine. And um, if the employer can offer that to the individual, they will be, oh my God, in such a great place. And again, you know, there used to be a term that we, that, that was used um, for someone on the spectrum and they were, you know, gifted or um, hyper-focused um, we all know what that means. Now we're in a position where we'd like to say, you know, they have special interests and it's they're passionate about their interests. If it's IT, if it's graphic design, they will do like they will they will do wonders. They, you know, they are they're brilliant. A lot of them are. And again, it's something that um, there are there are days where, you know, I need to pick my son's brain because I can't seem to wrap my head around something that could be so simple, yet I know how he thinks and how he processes things and he will see it on a you know completely different scale and I need that I need to be able to tap into that because it's it's beyond my comprehension but yeah it's interesting I'll tell you you know I I love the way that you've described it in the sense that it's just it's just a brain that's wired a little bit differently but does that sometimes kind of make it challenging because people have all these misconceptions. They don't, like autism doesn't work the same way in everybody. Everybody isn't like a savant. We can't categorize it. It's very easy with a lot of other, you know, disabilities where it's just like this person's partially sighted, this person's blind. It's very easy to put people into sort of categories. And I feel like autism doesn't work like that. Does does that, is, is that sort of a challenge when it comes to education? Absolutely. And I think that uh, more and more with, you know, with time, um, we're seeing, you know, from a medical perspective and not that I'm a doctor, but um, from what I am reading and what I am learning is that there, there used to be um, a way of categorizing autism. So you were either autistic and then you, you know, we had Asperger's then you had, um, PPDNOS, then you had Rett syndrome, and it was all kind of boxed. And now it's all a combination um, where you have your ASD, which is autism, which is kind of like you know the top box, and then all of your co-occurring conditions fall underneath. So a lot of times, what happens is you will you will be diagnosed with autism, but chances are you'll have a dual diagnosis. And sometimes it, that changes with age as well. You can you know um, they can throw in a few other co-occurring conditions under there, but um, primarily autism is just basically, and it's just the, you know, the, the um, in Lamas terms, it's the brain is wired differently. There could be an individual, you know, you can have an individual who does have um, challenges with social cues and eye contact, um, but can, you know, um, oh, I don't know, can, 
for example, my son can, you know, remember he's right now, he's at 82 birthdays. I, I throw him a name and he remembers their birthday and he doesn't look at it. You know, he's brilliant that way, but he thinks in pictures and he processes things in a way that I can't even fathom. And it, it, it's such an advantage, especially to like employers who, who need, um, you know, strong thinkers and visual thinkers and they're, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just so incredible. <laughs> there are days where I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I, I am, I'm incredibly blessed to know so uh, what I know about autism. I know that I have so much more to learn, but it's, it's not a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing. I, you know, if the world's a better place because of this, this community. Can we take a step back a little bit? Mm -hmm. um i i have some friends who who have a, a son who's who's autistic mm -hmm. uh he's he's nonverbal, mm -hmm. uh and uh it, it seemed to me like it took an incredibly long time before they had any kind of diagnosis mm -hmm. and i'm wondering what what's the state now of of early identification and uh getting intervention in place in education that is that is suitable and helpful for for people with autism i know that's a big i need to i, <laughs> a big I need to pick my words i need to be careful because um we have a long way to go as far as that goes um it is i think in bc right now it's four years before getting an actual diagnosis there's a cold wait list and the prices have gone up um if you go privately not everyone has the health plan or the insurance to be able to cover it you're looking at, you know, between three and $5,000 for an assessment. By the time you get the diagnosis, the child could be, you know, for there goes your early intervention. The idea is to know what the early signs are as a parent, to do your best to know what the early signs are. You've got your milestones, but of course, every child is different. But if they notice that, you know, the common milestones are not being met, it's important to even like apply some of the strategies that um, a, a, a child on the spectrum can benefit from, even if they're they're not diagnosed. That's what early intervention is. And then throughout the process, as far as schools go, schools still have so much to learn, so much to learn. Um, the medical field, uh, still so much to learn. The process itself is is horrible. The wait, there should not be a wait time. There, we can't, we can't afford a wait time. Families cannot afford a wait time. So I'm sure that if your friends have um, have had a challenging time until the actual diagnosis happened. They probably didn't know what to yeah. do. And um, what's important is that families realize that, okay, there may be, a, you know, the, he may be missing something in his, in his you know, milestone. Um, he may be weaker in certain areas. The idea is to try to do your best as a parent to offer that early intervention. And then before the diagnosis, if you want to do speech therapy, if you want to do occupational or a physio if needed, um, a lot of this stuff is out of pocket until you've got that diagnosis. When you get that diagnosis, then you get the funding that you need to be able to cover some of those costs because it's expensive, right? Um, so as, as a, um, you know, as a, as a nation, uh, we need to be, you know, uh, more diligent. We need to, the, the the medical field needs to be more proactive in finding strategies and finding the support that they need to diagnose earlier. 
Sorry, you lit a fire in me right there. <laughs> no, no, but it's, you know, it, that's all right. No, that's, that, that's very much um, in line with my, my lived experience around my, my daughter. My daughter had uh, difficulty uh, early on in school and uh, was on a wait list to see a, a school psychologist. Uh, but that wait list uh, in Burnaby School District was, I believe, two years. Yep. Uh, so we did we did pay to have her assessed privately. And uh, what was what was interesting from that process is that we'd had teachers who were experts, self-appointed experts, I might add, uh, who were throwing out diagnoses for her every other day, which all of which were incorrect. And it turns out she actually had a written output disorder. She just couldn't write as fast as she could think, and it frustrated her. So she didn't write a lot. Um, and uh, once once we knew what was going on, you know, we were able to to deal with it. But the, you know, had we not gone the private route, uh, she would have she would have struggled with both, you know, her her written output problems, but she also would have struggled with the preconceptions that her teachers were putting incorrectly on her. Yeah. Um, and that that was incredibly frustrating. Oh so I can only imagine what it must be like for people with, you know, more complex needs uh, to to face that same, you know, that same barrier. Uh, it, it must be incredibly oh, frustrating. Goodness. Well, and like as I as I mentioned, the, the costs are going up, and for people who need, um, they 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 want to be able to get this diagnosis for their child in order to better understand on how to, how to help them, um, they are waiting three, four years. From my understanding at NBC, that's the wait time right now. And there goes, you know, there goes all of the early intervention. There goes all of the essential, this is like a crucial, you know, they say that as yeah. the child is young, their brains are like sponges. Well, that that applies across the board, you know, whether they're neurotypical or not. This is the time, the early stages in life are the those are the most important times to be able to focus on, you know, and as a parent, we want what's best for them. We want them to succeed. We want them to do well. So there's that extra passion in there. You need to, you know, be as proactive as possible, but this comes to, it comes to the cost. It comes to the cost of waiting for supports. It comes to the cost of um, making sure that the, the schools, you know, that they're in a proper program, that the schools can accommodate them. And of course the schools won't until you get a diagnosis. So, there are so many moving parts and we just need to get our act together um, as a nation and 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 start, you know, work. we need to be faster, we need to be quicker and we need to be more aware. Again, the fire. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, listen, listen, I, yeah, I work for a nonprofit that, that deals specifically in, in early intervention in terms of uh, mm -hmm. blind and partially sighted kids. So okay. I get it. Like I, and now I'm mad now too. Sorry. Yeah. No, well, because... Because you really are, and we we talk to so many people uh, on the podcast uh, who have, mm -hmm. have incredibly different lived experiences, but the common thread through all that is that those formative years are so important, and to to find that that's that's the specific time frame where we're dropping the ball is yep. uh, is frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about the organization and what you guys do and some of the programs that that you do um, sure. have? Sure. So <clears throat> we are a virtual organization. Um, there are, we are, we're a team of nine um, right now, which is like the largest that we've ever been. Um, we're nonprofits and um, we're kind of spread out all over Canada. 
I'm personally, I'm in Cornwall, so I'm right between Ottawa and Montreal, and most of my team is out in the Toronto area. I've got one out in Calgary, and I've got uh, one East Coast-ish. So we're kind of all over. And what we do is we're kind of like the broker of resources. So anything and everything autism-related, whether it's employers looking for resources, schools, um, you know, I've provided programs for teachers who are supposed to be... <laughs> you know, specializing in teaching special needs. I've provided them with programming, um, you know, families looking for preliminary process, uh, you know, what to do, what to, where to go next. We are that hub. So we get um, an incredible amount of calls and emails um, a week. I am that frontline worker. I've recently recruited uh, help because I just couldn't anymore. <laughs> it was too much. And um, our calls increased just simply with the pandemic, uh, like 82% last year. So it, it was, oh, wow. you know, you're looking at 200, 250 calls, emails per week. And um, it, it was incredible. But I have never been more proud to work for an organization like this one. It, we do a lot. Um, as far as programming goes, we offer um, a school readiness program. We offer um, an inclusivity program with the schools. Um, we, again, help with employers, with resources and programming. Um, and we just do a lot of connecting. So we connect, you know, professionals with others, uh, families with professionals and social groups and peer groups. And we work with the universities. And so the, we do a lot. <laughs> Whatever you got that's autism related, we do it. <laughs> And with April being World Autism Awareness Month, are there any special events that you guys are putting on? Kind of hard with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about you guys, but we're heading back into the red zone. Um, oh, really? As of Monday. Yeah. So um, we, you know, and we have to say that we have such an amazing community that we've got a lot of organizations or even families that are creating their own little fundraisers across the nation and you know some of the proceeds are coming to us or all of the proceeds are coming to us so we are we depend on these little you know these little fundraisers and these you know whether it's a school or whether it's a in a you know an employer um there's a lot of little ones going on across the nation what we try to do is we try to pick up on those and share it on our social media to give them that exposure as well we have a huge following on social and uh, we make sure that you know these these whether it's families or individuals or schools or, or employers they get that recognition as well um we would typically um especially this being our 45th year you know there's there's a lot that we wanted to do and there's a lot that oh like we wanted to do we had plans on having a gala in the fall to celebrate you know our 45th year and and all that kind of you know mm -hmm. so right now there's no set fundraiser um we have you know we're starting a merch page we're, we're trying to do little things here and there but Mainly, um, you know, we are just trying to collaborate with our our followers and our families across the nation and bringing them up a little bit and giving them the exposure they deserve. 
Yeah, working for a nonprofit. Uh, who relies on fundraising. Yeah, I, I know exactly mm-hmm. what you what you mean. Uh, right, thanks, right. Thanks a lot, COVID. Uh, <laughs> we would love to have you on again because sure. any any one of those things that we talked about and touched on today, I would love to just talk about more because uh, mm-hmm. I've got like a dozen more questions written down here, uh, but uh, I'm aware of time. Uh, so we would love to have you back on. Um, sure, but absolutely. thank you so, so much for taking the of time course. out to talk to us because it's been great to, to be able to talk about autism mm-hmm. intelligently. Uh, we, like I said, we've been waiting to do this for, for six years, mm-hmm. um, that in a live show, but, uh, we're not, uh, we're not, we're not doing, <laughs> we're that doing it. No, we're not. <laughs> we've, we've actually, we've oh. actually done it. It just nice. wasn't suitable for prime time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was it on the late Friday afternoon? Is that yeah, what happened? They, they, yeah. Well, let's just say maybe, te- maybe tequila shouldn't have been <laughs> introduced into it. Yeah. We could have aired it, but it would just been a big, long bleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's an hour long bleep. That's oh, right. Nice. But Tequila time, makes everything better, right? It does. It does. Absolutely. Well, there you go. When next next Not time podcast. we do it, we'll we'll invite you, Dominique, and we'll. All right. We'll have to do it later in the day, though, because I understand that it's quite early for you right now. Yeah, it's Friday, so you it know. is Friday, but yeah, yeah, it's still that's still too early on a Friday for, for even us. <laughs> well, before we let you go, where can people find more information about Autism Canada? Uh, well, they can go online and find us at autismcanada.org. Um, they can contact us. Uh, my gosh, now you, now you, hang on. <laughs> I don't call the organization. We, have, we do have a 1-800 number. Uh, we have a 1-800 number and we also have a, which is a toll-free, um, our website has all that information. And then um, I can be reached directly at info at autismcanada.org. So they can email me as well. What? I am the info person. <laughs> perfect <laughs> wonderful dominique thank you again so much uh it's been a delight and uh yep. let's chat again absolutely thank you guys have a great day okay, thank you too you. Thanks, okay. okay take care bye right, bye bye Woo. like i can turn my video off you guys don't need to see me yeah i know <laughs> yeah i notice whenever there's a cute blonde steve's camera come magically comes on that's interesting <laughs> Ding. well i want i want them to be sure they know what i look like yeah, when they see me that's right it's like ooh, there's that attractive guy from the podcast yeah that's right uh no that was awesome that was so good i'm so glad that we finally um were able to talk about this i, I and literally i did like i have like 10 other questions that i wanted to talk about um but uh we'll just have her on again i I think it's it'd be a great some great follow-up shows there absolutely yeah because yeah i mean autism is such a a broad Mm -hmm. um you know collection of of uh, of different uh conditions uh you know you could if you were to drill down through the autism spectrum you would hit so many different conditions that are uh, very fascinating there's there's some really really interesting uh yeah uh you know differences in the way that people yeah. process and, and think and um you know we could we could spend days on this topic yeah mm-hmm. we we really could and but i love it i love the the simplicity of her description where it's just like it's just somebody whose brain is wired a bit differently and they just they process things differently and i think that that's such a yeah. A, a, such a, a great way to think about it but you know that it's the early intervention thing is just maddening 
like maddening. Yeah, four year wait list. Four year wait list. Yeah. And, and a lot of money. Like that's, yeah. you know, people don't necessarily have that t- type of money. And early inter- something like early intervention is so crucial and so important. Um, not, only, not only for, say, the child that, that has it, but for the family. Because, you know, the, we see that all the time at, at Blind Beginnings where there's a component of being diagnosed that, that that involves the whole family there's a there's a process that parents and siblings and everybody the entire family has to go through and until that diagnosis happens it must be incredibly hard to to sort of deal with so um yeah we need to get our shit together and uh make those diagnoses happen a lot sooner than they are i'm looking at you government <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's to blame, but I just blame the government. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us an email if they so desire to tell us how cool we are and how Steve's the good-looking one. I'm looking at you, Shan. Uh, cowbell at atbanter.com and if email isn't your thing and you are sucked into social media the way many many people do uh you can find us on facebook and you can also find us on twitter and if you're very very patient occasionally you'll find us on instagram yeah you never know um all right well hey then that is going to about do it for us this week thank you everybody for listening uh big thanks to dominique for joining us of course And we will see everybody next week. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 